Welcome to the Travels with Jim Hamill podcast. This is episode six in our Ireland series. And today I want to talk to you about the mighty cliffs of Moher. And in doing that, I want to talk about it in three ways. First, for those of you that aren't familiar with the cliffs of Moher, I want to kind of explain what they are and what you're looking at. Second, for those that are familiar, I want to talk about how you might go about visiting them. And then, for those that know what they are and already have a visit scheduled, how you might go about maximizing your visit, whether you're going for an hour or a day and a half. We'll talk about different ways to go about visiting these cliffs. So first, what are these? What are the cliffs of Moher? I guess I should start by telling you that they are 700-foot sheer cliffs on the west coast of Ireland. That is essentially what they are, but that doesn't really do it justice. And in fact, if you go look online and look at the tallest cliffs in Ireland or the tallest cliffs in Europe, you won't see the Cliffs of Moher's name, that you'll see other cliffs. In fact, even within Ireland, there's two different sets of cliffs that are listed as taller. And if you're curious, those are Sleeve League in Donegal, which is 1,972 feet, so almost three times as tall. And then Coogan, uh, which is on Achill Island, which is t- over 2,200 feet tall, so three times as tall as the Cliffs of Moher. So why would we go see the Cliffs of Moher? Why don't we go see these other cliffs instead and not waste our time with the Cliffs of Moher? The difference is that the Cliffs of Moher are absolute sheer wall cliffs that are really super impressive for that reason, whereas these other cliffs aren't. If you look at the other ones, and I've been to both of them, they sort of look like places that you could sort of pick your way down a hill uh, as you're looking at them. Now, I'm not saying you could. You'd probably fall and die. But when you're you know, from afar looking at them, that's the way they look, is they look like hills or mountains going into the ocean. Whereas you look at the Cliffs of Moher, man, if you want to go down those, bring your repelling gear because that is the only way. These things are sheer cliffs. And in fact, you may actually have seen the Cliffs of Moher and not know it. If you've seen the movie The Princess Bride, you've seen the Cliffs of Moher. When they wanted cliffs, and you may remember from that movie, they had cliffs called the Cliffs of Insanity. And these were supposed to be impossibly huge and impossibly sheer. But they had to uh, climb them. It's near the beginning of the movie. Well, when they needed cliffs to use for establishment shots of them, it's the Cliffs of Moher. If you look at pictures of the Cliffs of Moher and then you go look at those clips in the movie, you can see there's certain characteristics in the Cliffs of Moher that you can see in those shots and you know that's what it is. So when they needed sheer sort of cliffs of insanity, the Cliffs of Moher is what they went or where they went. And that just shows that these are really super impressive cliffs that you're not going to want to miss. And most people don't miss them. This is probably the most popular tourist attraction in all of Western Ireland. In fact, it doesn't, in a lot of ways, even look like Ireland. If you've been traveling around Ireland for a bit, you've probably got used to seeing attractions, whether they be ruins or cliffs or scenic areas or whatever, and they're just there. There's barely even a sign. There's certainly nobody selling souvenirs and or drinks or any of the things that you might see in the United States. They're just sort of things sitting by themselves. Well, the Cliffs of Moher aren't like that. They have a big, enormous visitor center that was built at some expense. It's actually built 
it looks like it's built into the land. So you don't even see it. You don't see a building. All you see is the front doors and then it looks like it's covered, which is actually really cool because you know, you're there to see this natural wonder and you don't want it marred by buildings. So it's, it's really nice the way they did it. But the point is, is that they do have this big visitor center. They have an enormous parking lot across the street and you have to pay to get in. And then, you know, they have all sorts of paved areas and everything like that. You'll see tons of people when you're here, assuming you're there in the summer. Uh, I read that it draws 1.5 million visitors and, and you feel it. When you're there, you'll see tour buses lined up usually and just a lot of people. But it draws so many people because it is so impressive or they are so impressive. So it's definitely worth going. But there's more to do than just do a quick stop by the visitor center and look over the cliffs, which is frankly the way most people do it. Now, I don't quarrel with that necessarily if it fits in with the way you're doing your trip, but there's other ways to do it as well. And I'm going to talk about itineraries in a minute, but first let me sort of carry on and talk about everything that's here, and then we'll talk about how to put it all together. The first part of your of your visit is this visitor center. It is the most tame part. It's just concrete walkways. They have walls that you look over, and so you're in absolutely no danger of falling off or anything like that. It's flat ground, and it's good. What's really good about this, too, is that the best views are generally near the visitor center. So by just going here, you're going to see a lot of the best views. But that's not all there is to this. So there's different ways you can approach this as well. One of the ways is that you can actually take a boat at the base of the cliffs and then see them looking up at them. And that's pretty cool. You don't do it from the cliffs, though, or from the cliffs visitor center. You actually go somewhere else. You go to the Doolin Pier, which is just a few miles north of there, near Doolin, obviously. And there are several boat operators that run off Doolin Pier. And they're running boats about every hour. They run them till about 5 or 5.15 every day. You get on the boat. You don't really need advanced reservations, although you can get them online. And then you take the boat ride. It's about 45 minutes, as I recall. It takes you down along the cliffs, down to around where the visitor center is and where there's this big stack of, of rocks there. And then you'll turn around and come back. But you'll have seen it from a different angle. It'll take you to the largest part of the cliffs. And it's actually pretty cool. So if you have time, I recommend doing that as well. Another thing that you can do now, and believe it or not, this wasn't always the case, is there's a path that runs along the top of all the cliffs. And although these cliffs have been here forever, and it's been a big tourist attraction for a very long time, they actually didn't get this path opened until uh, 2013. I guess they had deals with property owners and stuff along the top that they had to deal with that they didn't sort out until then. But now they have it. And it's an eight-mile path, and it basically runs from Doolin in the north, runs along the coast all the way to where the visitor center is. That's about halfway. And then it keeps running to the south. So you can walk along that path uh, basically the entire length of the cliffs. Another thing you can do is if you wanted to park, you could park at the visitor center and then go out and back in either direction, which might make sense because you're going to have to deal with a vehicle unless you want to start in, say, Doolin, walk the length, and then walk all the way back. Well, that would be 16 miles, so I don't know how great that would be. 
So you need to plan how you're going to get from one place to another as well. But anyway, that's another way to see the cliffs. I guess it has a good part and a bad part to it. The good part is that you get to see more of the cliffs. You get to see different vantage points. And also, you're not behind a wall the whole time. I guess that's kind of bad for some people in that you are or can be near the edge of the cliffs. But the bad part is that most of the dramatic views are, like I said, near the visitor center. So as you get further and further away from the visitor center, the cliffs tend to get smaller and smaller. So the further you walk on this path, then the less dramatic the cliffs. Now, in talking about this too, you may wonder, is this all safe? Is this path safe? And I think it generally is. I haven't been on the entire path, just parts of it. But I did look up, have people died at the Cliffs of Moher? And I did find one statistic, which is, and this was in 2017 when they published this, that between 2017 on the near side and 1993 in the past, so 24 years, there were 66 deaths. So a couple a year. Now, I should mention in fairness that they think about half of these were self-inflicted. So, you know, I guess we should be more worried about unintended deaths where people sort of slipped and fell. Sure, they're all tragic, but I think when we think about the cliffs, we're more worried about slipping and falling off. So it's quite rare, but it does happen. So you just want to make sure it doesn't happen to you. And the best way to do that is stay away from the edge. Another thing to think about is that this data was only through 2017, and that was into the iPhone era. But I have to think that the iPhone era might be making this a little bit more dangerous as well, just because of the selfies. That when people are taking selfies, they tend to take steps where they're not looking. Either they're setting themselves up or setting the shot up or whatever. So be very careful about that. But anyway, the path is something you might want to check out as well. So that's kind of our three pieces here is the visitor center, the boat, and the path. Now, with that in mind, what's the best way to visit the Cliffs of Moher? There is no best way. It's really just what fits into your schedule. And I'll tell you, I've been to the Cliffs of Moher three times. I've done it different all three times. And I have two trips in the works for Ireland right now. I'm going to visit the Cliffs of Moher on both of those, and I'm going to do it in totally different ways in both. It, so it really just depends. So I'm going to talk about it in three different ways. The first way is just sort of your quick drive-by. This is how the tour buses do it. They just drive, stop, get out. You go look at the cliffs for an hour or two, and then you come back and you're done. Maybe stop in the visitor center, and that's it. And, you know, when you say doing something as a normal tourist does it, well, that's pretty pejorative and has a negative context to it. And it can here too. It's not the best way. You won't get the most out of it, but you'll get 80 to 90% of what the Cliffs of Moher has to offer by simply doing it this way, by showing up and then taking in the view, which is really what it's all about, and, and then heading on. The Cliffs of Moher is in between Dingle, or the Dingle Peninsula to the south, and then Galway to the north. So it makes a pretty good stopping point if you're sort of doing that drive in a day. So that's one way you might want to do it. You just sort of, you know, let's say you're starting Dingle. Well, instead of just taking the road straight up to Galway, take the coastal road out to the Cliffs of Moher, stop there for an hour or two, take it in, and then be on your way. Will there be a lot of people? Yeah, there will. But 
you'll be able to get your shot off the cliff without people in your way. And so you can, like I said, get 80 to 90% of what the cliffs have to offer. And so that's a fine way to do it. Now, if you have time, there's a better way, which is to spend the night near the Cliffs of Moher. There's no place to stay right at the cliffs, but there are some towns. Doolin is one where uh, I stay a lot, and I've stayed in uh, Liz Dunvarna as well, and it's a pretty nice town. So there's places to stay within five or ten miles of, of the Cliffs of Moher. Now, why would you want to do that? The answer is that this way you can show up at sunrise or sunset and take in the views that way. And if you have the time, I really recommend this. Let's take evening, for example. What you're going to find is that the Cliffs of Moher start clearing out around 6, 7 o'clock. I believe the visitor center closes by about 9. And by then, it's just a ghost town. There'll be almost nobody there. And so you almost have the place to yourself. It's really fantastic. And it really, you know, when you have a place that is that majestic and you're just sort of walking around by yourself, I mean, it's just awesome. So it's really cool. And then, of course, if you're a photographer, now you're looking at sunset shots, which is exactly what you want. So it's really a great thing if you have the time. If that's the case, what I would typically do is show up a little earlier in the day, take the boat ride while they're still running. Like I said, the last one usually leaves at 5 or 5.15, depending on the company and then wait a while until seven or eight o'clock and then head to the visitor center and then everybody will be leaving and you can uh, take pictures at sunset which of course the time will change depending on the time of year but it can be quite late in the in the summer it can be like 10 o'clock so you might be hanging around a while but just coordinate with the sun so that you're not there too long it's maybe even cooler to go in the morning i went there first thing in the morning one time when i was there and it was awesome. We were literally by ourselves. It was my daughter and I, and we just had the place to ourselves for probably two hours in the morning. It was interesting because we had to wait until the visitor center opened because the visitor center, turns out, is the only ATM within about a 15-mile radius, and we needed to get some cash. So we were waiting for the visitor center to open, and once it did, we went in and used the ATM and then messed around in the visitor center a while and then came back out. And man, it was like we were salmon swimming upstream at that point. By then, the tourist buses had arrived and they were just letting people out and it was like a wall of people headed our way. So you really kind of see the difference there between having it to yourself on the one hand and then getting mixed up in the crowds in the other way. Obviously, having it to yourself is best, but of course, it's you're gonna have to make it fit with your trip and not everybody can. So that's the second way you might want to visit. The third way is actually stay a few days. Now, obviously, not, you're not going to want to just hang around in the Cliffs of Moher for several days, but you can put a lot of time into it if you wanted to walk the path. That's probably a half day right there. The boat is a couple hours of your time, all told. And then either seeing sunrise or sunset is a good idea, too. Probably the better idea, though, is to take in some of the other things that County Clare has to offer. And the cliffs are in County Clare, by the way. There's some other attractions in the area. The main one is the Burren. Basically, when you're in southwest Ireland or northwest Ireland, they're very green, as you might expect, being the Emerald Isle and all. 
and just very lush. And so it's really weird when you get into County Clare, you get this strange sort of moonscape scenery and they call the sort of center of this the burren. And it's these strange rocks with very little vegetation at all. And it's a really cool area. So that is another place that you might want to visit. There's also a cool lighthouse south of the Cliffs of Moor. It's called Loop Head. So that's another thing you might want to check out. There's some cool towns as well. Lahinch, Lisconnor, and I think I mentioned Lisdunvarna. I have no idea if I'm saying those right. But look at the map and you'll see those are the nearest towns. All of them are, are really cool little Irish towns that you might want to spend some time checking out. Or if nothing else, just going by for uh, dinner or the pub. But between all that, that's a couple days easy worth of stuff if you have the time. The last thing I want to talk about is photographing the Cliffs of Moher, which you're going to want to do whether you're standing there with your phone or you are a serious photographer out there with your DSLR and your tripod, or I guess I should say mirrorless camera and tripod these days. But regardless, taking pictures is a big deal at the Cliffs of Moher because that's what it's all about is beautiful, dramatic scenery. So how do we go about doing that? Or how do you go about doing that? Well, I want to talk about three different aspects of this. First is composing your picture. And in a way, well, it's easy to compose your picture, right? It's just cliffs. You have water in the foreground. You have the subject, which is your cliffs. And then you have sky. But that leads to really some wrinkles that you need to think about. The first is you're standing on cliffs and you want to take pictures of cliffs. So you have to really start thinking about your angle. You have to somehow get yourself in a position where you can be looking back at cliffs. And incidentally, this was one of the things that convinced me to buy a drone a few years ago, or actually several years ago now, is that I would stand on these cliffs in Ireland because it's a perpetual problem, standing on a cliff that you want to take a picture of. And I eventually realized the best way to get around that was to buy a drone and then fly the drone off the cliff so that it could look back and then I could take my pictures. And that's what I did. And I've done that a lot since then. I should mention, by the way, that you can't fly drones at the Cliffs of Moher. You can if you leave the Cliffs of Moher. You know, you go on, say, the path off the Cliffs of Moher property and then fly from the path somewhere outside of the area of the visitor center. But most of you, I recognize, won't be doing that. You'll just be using either your phone or a camera and you want to get a nice picture of the Cliffs of Moher. Well, like I said, the visitor center offers the best views, but what you're going to have to do is find places where you're sort of looking back at the cliffs. So that's the first thing you need to think about. The second thing you need to think about is the sun. And honestly, the later in the day it is, the better luck you're going to have. Remember that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So if the sun is in the west, then it's going to be lighting the face of the cliffs since they're facing west, right? that's going to make the picture look best. So try to do it later in the day. Frankly, the later in the day you do it, the better it's going to be because the later it is, the, the softer and more diffuse the light gets. So if you can get around sunset, that's when you're going to have your best odds. And so with that, we've now looked at the cliffs, which is your subject, and we looked at the background, which is your sky and keeping the, the light nice and diffuse. That leads to the third element, which is your foreground. And that's, of course, going to be the water. What do you do about that? Well, if you're shooting with your phone, nothing. There's not much you can do. But if you have a camera and a tripod or even just a way to prop up your camera, then what you're going to want to do is slow your shutter speed down a bit. Maybe a little, 
maybe a lot, depending on the kind of mood you're trying to create in your pictures. Basically, when you're taking pictures that have water in the foreground, if you just take your standard picture at 1 60th of a second or somewhere thereabouts, the water just isn't gonna look good. It, it just has this jagged look to it and it shows that you put no thought into it. What you need to do is take control of the scene by taking control of the shutter speed and getting intentional about the mood you wanna create. What do I mean by that? Basically, the longer the shutter speed, the more serene that water's gonna look. Because if you take, say, a 30 second picture, in other words, it takes the camera 30 seconds to expose that picture. Well, the water's gonna have moved through the scene while you're exposing. It's gonna make it look really soft and serene. And I think it's just a really cool looking effect and I do it all the time. And then that effect is gonna happen starting at about 10 or 15 seconds. As you get faster, you may do a, a shutter speed of something like a quarter second, half second, one second. And those may seem short to you, but they're actually pretty long as it relates to shutter speed. And those are going to show sort of a hint of movement. And, and that's a cool effect as well, because now it, it adds some movement and some intentionality to the water. And if you give that a try, you're really going to like the way it looks, especially as compared to just your sort of standard jagged water. In other contexts, you might actually go with a really fast shutter speed and try to stop the action, and that can really convey a sense of movement as well. But that usually doesn't work as well when you're high up like you are at the Cliffs of Moher, so I'm not sure I would really do that here. So where that leaves you is that I think you're going to want to slow your shutter speed down. Now, how do you do that? Well, you've got to do something to restrict the amount of light that's allowed into your camera. If it's a really cloudy day or if it's near sunrise or sunset, you might be able to do that just by clamping down on the aperture, making it as small as possible. That's gonna be something like F22. And also by reducing the ISO of your camera to something like 100, or if your camera goes lower, then, then do that. Maybe that'll allow you to use a longer shutter speed, but if it's a bright day, probably not. And if that's the case, then you're gonna to need to use something called a neutral density filter. I'll try to talk about that elsewhere, but that is a filter that restricts the amount of light that's allowed into your camera. That way you can use a longer shutter speed and get the kind of effect that I'm talking about with these waves. So look into that if you're interested in creating the kind of effects I'm talking about. So that, in a nutshell, is how I would go about taking pictures of the Cliffs of Moher. I would be as close to sunset as I could be. I would stick near the visitor center and look back towards the cliffs. You'll see a spot where you can see a big cave, and if you put that towards the left side of your picture, that's sort of the classic view of the Cliffs of Moher. So I would start with that and then start doing your own thing from there. I'd then work with the shutter speed to get the right effect on the water and the foreground as well. And you ought to end up with a pretty good shot if you do those things. Anyway, that is everything you should need to know about the Cliffs of Moher and hopefully it'll make your visit there better. If you're coming with me on my 2022 tour, what we're gonna do is the overnight version. We're gonna show up in the afternoon, hopefully take a ride on the boat out to see the base of the cliffs, come back to the visitor center uh, near sunset and take pictures that way. We'll spend the night in Doolin, 
And then if you'd like, we can also show up around sunrise the next morning and then be on our way up to Connemara the next day. So we'll have the Cliffs of Moher covered for sure on this tour. Anyway, that should be everything for the Cliffs of Moher. I appreciate you listening to my ramblings about it, and I will talk to you later.